Hello? Hi, Uwe? Yes. Hi, this is Mike. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing, I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for calling into this. I, I really appreciate it. <clears throat> I'm, I'm really having a good time talking to former Dallas Mavericks, and I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, let me ask you something. Sure. I looked, at, I looked at your profile on LinkedIn. Why are you doing this? Oh, this, this isn't uh, anything for uh, my, my job. This is just like a, my day job. I mean, this is just like a, a passion project of mine. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Dallas Mavericks fan, and I, I have a passion for NBA history. And I just thought it would be cool to, to connect with, with former Dallas Mavericks and talk about their, their basketball career and, you know, mainly about their time in Dallas, but really their career as a whole and find out what they're doing now. Um, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. It's purely for fun. I'm just a, I'm just a basketball fan at the end of the day. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, and then, I mean, that's good for you. I mean, anybody that has a passion yeah. you know, has, has a better life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So it's, 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 been, it's been a lot of fun. I've only been doing it for a few months. But, you know, I've talked to close to 20 former players now. And, um, and yeah, and I, I really enjoy uh, talking to the players and learning things that I didn't know. And, and they seem to enjoy it, too. So, yeah, it's, it's been fun. And what players have you talked to? Well, you would be the third player I've talked to from the 80s. Uh, I've talked to Charlie Sitton and um, Stan Petkovich. And then, I, but I've talked to Josh Howard, Nick Fazekas, Marquise Daniels, Tony Delk, Eric Strickland, uh, Josh Powell, Dan Dickow, Walt Williams. None of the minute, none of the names. I'm sorry, I'm not up to date, but. None of the names ring a bell. You said you had three players from the 80s. Which were those? Yes. Um, the first was um, Stan Petkovich. He, he, was a, he was a Maverick the, um, the very first season the team was in existence. So a little bit before you. Uh -huh. And then the other guy, um, I think he played there the year before you came. So he, he played there in 1984, 1985. Ah, yeah. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so it's just been, um, like I said, it's just a lot of fun, and I'm excited to talk to you about, about your career. Sounds good. Great. So one of the first things that I like to ask former Mavericks is, how did, how did you get started playing the game of basketball? I know you were growing up in Munich. What, what, what drew you to the sport? By being 7'2". <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair answer. Well, I mean, keep in mind, in Germany, there was no such thing as basketball mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And my sister was 6'3", and she played basketball. She picked it up because, because she's 6'3". Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was 15. She said, why don't you give it a try? At what point did you start to notice after you started playing that, you know, you were – significantly better than, than, than your competition, the guys you were playing against? Keep in mind, how old are you? I'm 31. Yeah, keep in mind, back then, size was a much bigger impact than it is nowadays. 
even at the lower levels, because skill was not as high. Mm -hmm. And so within two years, strictly because of my size, I was very successful. Uh, in Europe, they have uh, junior leagues, and meaning you play in your age group. Mm -hmm. And I played for the German national team at my age level. Uh, meaning within two years, I was successful. I wasn't very good. I know that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I was play, I was playing for the German team, and you know, I sat on the bench. But you know, again, I was seven two. Yeah. Well, at the at the at the time, I was fifteen or sixteen, and I was six ten. But at fifteen or sixteen, at six ten, I mean, you're a power, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you left Germany and you came to America to play at high school at Effingham High School in Illinois. Um, how did that come about? Was that uh, like a family move or was that for, for basketball reasons? How did you end up coming to Illinois? Well, I, it was in the summer and there was really no games going on in the summer. Mm -hmm. But the Effing, the Effing team was a really good team. And for back then, and I don't know if it's still the case, but in Illinois they had a two-class system. And so if you were in the top class and you were a low-numbered school, you were the big-time underdog. I mean, Effingham had like 800 students, and they were in the same class as high schools of 5,000 out of Chicago. And Effingham was very, very good in general. So for some reason, they decided, I guess, to improve the team or whatever, to make a European tour and play some German teams or European teams. I think they played several teams. And I think it was more for the fun, you know, seeing Europe, that kind of stuff. And that team played against my club team. And uh, I actually wasn't able to play because I was injured at the time. But, you know, I went to the game. And in, in Germany, basketball back then was – you know, more, you do it for the camaraderie, for the fun. Mm -hmm. And I went, and afterwards, you always go drink a beer. You know, yeah, at the age of 16, 17, but that's Germany for you back mm -hmm. then. Right. And so afterwards, we went to a pub, and uh, the American team came, the Effingham team came, and one of the fathers came up to me and asked me, if I was interested in coming to the United States. And as you can tell, <laughs> he didn't even see me play. So <laughs> he, he did this, he did this entirely on the 610-ness, you know, and, and then, you know, and so I said, yeah, that, that's a good idea. Come over to America for a year, learn English better, uh, you know, grow up a little bit. My parents supported it. And I did that for a year. Uh, as it turned out, it was really successful, meaning I was successful in school, more so than in Germany. Uh, I was successful in life in Germany. No girl wanted anything to do with a 6'10 guy uh, at that age. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I was skinny. I was like 170 pounds. I mean, you can imagine, you know, I was a geek. And, uh, you know, and then coming to America, it was a very positive experience. And back then, you could not go back to Germany uh, for a, to go to school if you missed more than one year. And they considered the American schooling as missing a year. Um, and so I had to make a choice after I was a junior in high school in America. And I had to make a choice. And I chose to stay in the United States with the hopes. And obviously, it looked real good to get a scholarship to the university. And, you know, and that's the end of the story. Wow, that's really interesting. So after your, your high school career concluded, was was Indiana like by far and away your primary choice for college or were you looking at other colleges to play college basketball? Well, actually, Indiana was by far not my pr- favorite choice. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was actually kind of a weird deal. I, I had chosen and I had committed to Duke it was Krzyzewski's second year there. But for some reason, I really liked the school. And, of course, they're good academically and all that stuff. But my American father kind of threw a fit uh, because Krzyzewski was new. You know, the Big Ten was big time. Uh, he wanted me to he, he wanted me to go to Illinois, but, you know, he didn't care as long as it was Big Ten. So I reconsidered and I visited some other schools. I visited Notre Dame after that and uh, Indiana and I can't remember who else. And, you know, I basically, you know, I was 18. My American father, you know, I mean, he had influence on me. So I changed my mind and I went to Indiana. So I'm not a huge college basketball fan. I would describe myself as a casual fan at best, but obviously I know Bobby Knight was very, you know, was a very successful coach, very well known and, um, you know, had a very successful stint at Indiana. Are there any memorable interactions you had with, with Bobby Knight that you wouldn't mind sharing? Well, I mean, I mean, everybody knows Bobby Knight. Yeah, and I know you're fishing. I know you're fishing for some juicy stories, but <laughs> you know, so, so you know. I mean, there were a ton of stories, of course, but I really like Bobby Knight. I have a lot of respect for him and mm-hmm. um, for what he did for me, and what he did at Indiana, and even to some degree at Texas Tech. And so. Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of stories. I mean, you know, I mean, Bobby Knight is Bobby Knight. I mean, I got you. You know, yeah. he's a, you know, he, he's a sergeant in the military, mm-hmm. and the sergeant's job is to make sure his troops survive. That's his job. And Bobby Knight's job was to make sure his troops are prepared for life, and. You know, whatever life throws at you, at whatever age. And, you know, he taught that very well, which coincided with making good basketball players if they stuck around through, you know, that initial, what's that called in the military, the initial period? 
boot camp um, or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, boot camp. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. And you know, and if you survive that, then you have a strong enough mind, strong enough will, and that makes you a better at anything. It makes you better at anything, and you know, and that's what he he wanted to weed out the players that were, you know, couldn't handle that, and at the same time you know, get you prepared for the later parts of your life and, you know, for life in general. And I mean, whether you're 18, life is the same at 55. So, you know, you got to just be ready for it. Right. Um, so I know you stayed at, at Indiana all four years. At, at what point during your college career did you begin to see the NBA as a, as a realistic possibility for your, for your post-collegiate basketball career? Well, really not till my, maybe, maybe my last year. Oh yeah. Uh, my, my, my American father was very piped into the basketball scene. I was not, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, put it this way. I, I had no idea who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was. <laughs> And I, you know, like, who, who, neck, who neck comes up with that name? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, you know it's, it's, it was my reaction. But anyway, he connected me my senior year in high school, in college. He connected me to an agent in, in Chicago. And, you know, and I talked to the guy and the guy said, yeah, you got a good chance, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, on that point, it became reality. So you graduate um, Illinois in 85, or I'm, I'm sorry, Indiana in um, 85. I was just going to say, don't yeah. make that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Indiana in 85. Now, and, um, right. Now, because, now, because now I have been at Indiana for four years, and now Illinois is a big enemy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I must have been thinking about your high school career for a second. So – um, you're getting ready for the 85 draft. Um, did you, and you, I know you ended up being picked up at the 17th pick by the Mavericks. Did you have any like anticipation that the Mavericks were going to select you? You know, did they say, if you're available, we're going to take you anything like that? No, none, no, no, no previous knowledge at all. Did you, did you work out for them or did you have a lot of workouts for several teams prior to the draft? None. I, I, I had no clue what, if anything, would even happen. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so by the time you were selected by the Mavs and had to move here, had you been to, to Texas before or more specifically to Dallas? No, I had not. I, I knew nothing about Texas nor Dallas. <laughs> So what, what were your initial impressions of, uh, you know, of, of the Mavericks as, as an organization and of Dick Mata as, as a coach? I mean, I had really good impression, I have to say. I like Dick Mata a lot. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, you know, he really facilitated team play and uh, camaraderie and all that kind of stuff, you know, that you teach. And... Uh, I really like the Mavericks team. I like the owners. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean I don't like the current owners. I just don't know them. Mm -hmm. um, but I like the whole organization, I have to say. Um, they had a classy program. 
and obviously also successful. I mean, we went pretty far for being a recently expansion team. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, overall, you know, it was really a good experience. Yeah. I mean, you came at a time, like you said, you know, they were starting to see some consistent success. One of the best NBA teams of all time. And you got to play against that 1986 Celtics. Do you have any memories of going up against them in Boston Garden uh, with their front line of Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish? No, not really. Keep in mind, I was a bench player, and so I didn't play much. Mm -hmm. And especially at the Garden, I possibly didn't play. Um, I mean, especially my rookie year, I, you know, I was four years at the Mavericks, and I played against, you know, the Celtics a lot, or it seems like, mm -hmm. um, at least, you know, but, and I actually got some playing. I, I just confused the years at this point. I got you. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you anything specific about that team. Any, um, I guess, maybe not necessarily that year, but other years in, in your time with the Mavericks playing against, you know, that caliber of opponents, like just any particular instances of any games against, you know, either the Celtics or the Lakers. Cause just cause just because those were such legendary teams, I was wondering if you had any unique experiences in that regard. No, I mean, I got to play obviously very often and more often than the Celtics against the Lakers. And so, therefore, I did get playing time against Kareem. And, you know, I mean, the, the overall policy against playing against Kareem was don't let him pass. I mean, he was at an age where if he shot the ball, all right, you take your chances. But he was such a good passer. You know, so I was on my own. And, you know, you know and he took his hook shot and he made it good. And he didn't make it. All right, great. And even better. But, you know, I mean, you didn't really focus on him uh, from that perspective because, again, at his age, he was such a good passer. You couldn't focus on him as a scorer. So, you know, it, it, you know, as a defensive player, I was a big white boy. You know, they pushed, they shoved. You know, I couldn't jump very high. You know, I mean, you do the best you can. Yeah, no, yeah, that I, I I understand that. I was just curious if you had if there was anything uh, particular that you had. Um, one thing that happened in Dallas recently, about three or four weeks ago, is is Derek Harper had his jersey retired. Uh, did you see any coverage of that or see anything about that in the news? No, I'm glad you told me. This is the first. This is the first I heard of it, and I, I mean, that's awesome because. Yeah, I mean, he was a great player. Uh, let me, on that note, and that gives you an idea how much piped in I am. Uh, <laughs> did Rolando Blackman ever get his jersey retired? Yes, he did, along with Brad Davis. Ah, that's excellent. Because, yes, I had a lot of respect for both of those. And that is, yeah, that makes me very happy. Again, don't misunderstand me. Derek Harper was a great player, mm -hmm. but if it was my choice, yes, I would have picked the other two to get their jersey retired first. 
Yeah, yeah. Derek's was just retired uh, earlier th- earlier this month in January. It was a it was a really cool ceremony. I'd I'd be happy to find like a video clip of it and and uh, email it to you. Yeah, that that'd be okay if you want to. I mean, it's fine. Man, I like, as you can tell, I don't watch it that much anymore. Mm-hmm. So you know, right? Strangely enough, strangely enough, I'm German and I didn't grow up with that sport. But you know, at this point, I don't know. Call me stupid, but my favorite sport is football. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> no, that that's fine. So I. One thing I did want to ask you about is just um, the year that, that the Mavericks went to the Western Conference Finals in 1988. Um, I think that was the year that you received your most consistent playing time as a Maverick. And, you know, they took the Lakers, you guys took the Lakers to seven games, really gave them a run for their money. Was that the most fun you had in the NBA that particular season? Yes, I can definitely say that. I think that was the first year for the new coach, right? Yes, John McLeod. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, like you said, I got the most playing time, and I actually was able to contribute. And obviously, that seven-game series, I mean, I call it legendary, legendary. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was a massive series. And so, obviously, I'll never forget that series. And so... Yeah, it was definitely a very impressive year for me. Yeah, it was. You know, until, you know, probably in, in the 2000s, it, you know, it was the most successful year in Mavericks history. So it's pretty cool that you got to be a part of that. And then, you know, that's the year that you received your most playing time in Dallas. And I, I can see, I'm looking at some of your stats here. I mean, you played in 73 games, so you got to play in almost every game during the regular season. So I, I thought that was really cool that you were, a contributor to that that successful team. Yes, and I yeah, I was basically the backup to James Donaldson at the time, and I mean we had other good players, uh, Bill Winnington, who turned out to be a really good player mm-hmm. uh, for the Bulls, of course. Right. Uh, you know, that year I was able to beat out. You know, that you know yeah, it was a good year. That's that's really cool. Um, I know once you're once you're your Mavericks tenure ended, you moved on and you played for the Warriors and, you know, you played under, uh, against, or uh, under Don Nelson, who several years later became the coach of the Mavericks. And that was, that was a, a, a fun team, you know, in that run team C area uh, era, but I was doing some research on you and I listened to a little bit of another podcast where you said on the road, sometimes your roommate was Manute Bowl. So I wanted to see if you had any, interesting stories about about your your time of uh, being a teammate of Manute's I really liked Manute Manute was a great guy you know he was obviously I'm not American so I'm from a different culture call it that Mm -hmm. and clearly he was so yeah we had some definitely interesting conversations and I learned a lot from him uh, just by because of the way he was physically mm-hmm. uh i mean the guy was first of all ultra large tall you know much taller than i but he was nothing but legs and arms which gave him even more of an advantage in the basket in the sport of basketball uh, you know because of reach and all those kind of you had to play completely different against him and so 
yeah, it was from a playing perspective, it was fun. Um, you know, but aside from that, I really enjoyed that team too because I, I ended up having a lot of friends on that team. I had a good friend, Sharunas Marshalonas, on that team. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a great guy. And, you know, they were all good guys. And so I really enjoyed that half year because obviously, as you know, I was traded mid-year. Yeah, you were traded to San Antonio, you know, for the end of your NBA career. But you did get to play with a, I think he was a rookie at the time, David Robinson, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, what what was that experience like? Because I know he was, um, you know, I think he was finishing up some service to the Navy. So his NBA career was delayed a couple years. And then he got to, he finally made his way to San Antonio. And, you know, he was just obviously a legendary center and you got to play with him his rookie year. What, what, uh, what do you remember from your, from your time? Like, I'm assuming you got to practice against him a lot playing the same position. Well, I mean, to be honest, that's why they traded me. Um, Christian Welp, who they traded me for, I guess didn't give David Robinson enough competition ah. during practices. So they're looking for a better practice player. And, and that's what it turned out to be. And David, David is a great guy. I mean, he is smarter than a whip. Um, you know, he's, his morals are high. Uh, it was, it was great to be with him, but it was also, especially back then, um, being on the same team, to be on the same team with an athlete like that, uh, he could do things at seven foot that was back then unbelievable. You know, I know, you know, like even there were other players that were able to do that, but I didn't practice with them and I didn't see them every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, like the center for Houston. And, um, but being around him and he was very gracious and, uh, you know, hum- humble, humble. Uh, it was a great experience, I have to say. That, that's really cool. I, I just think it's neat that, you know, you, you played in an era of so many, so many great players and uh, you were exposed to, to a, a lot of excellent competition. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I was very fortunate there. Uh, but keep in mind, obviously, there's a lot of good players since then, too. So, oh, yeah. you know, nothing to take away from those guys. No, no, not at all. It's just, uh, you know, I, I kind of became a fan, a, a big fan of the game in the mid-90s. So a lot of the guys that, that you played against, I'm, I'm very familiar with. And then obviously just I've done, you know, I've, just, I've been watching the game for 23 years now. So it's, it's always quite a thrill for me to uh, just to talk to anyone that was involved in the sport. I just find it very fascinating. So once your NBA career ended, I know you went overseas and you played for a few more years. But uh, and then after that, um, your your playing career stopped. So what what have you done in your post your post basketball life? Well, I'm in computers, and so you know, I mean, my my college degree was mathematics, computer science, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was always kind of involved in computers, even during basketball. And so right after, and this was in '93. 
my wife and I, we had two kids at the time. We were just trying to figure out where we wanted to live. We knew it was America, not Germany. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just figured out, try to figure out where to live. And so we took a year to figure that out. And it was heavily influenced by, you know, the computer industry. And hence, I, I picked Austin because computer industry was good. And my in-laws from my wife, you know, my parents, my, my wife's parents, they were in, living in Houston. Mm -hmm. So been in Austin ever since. Very cool. Yeah, I saw you were in Austin. And so uh, I spend quite a bit of time down there myself. Uh, I have some good friends that live there and my wife's brother and his wife live there. And that's, uh, we spent some time there over the holidays. I like Austin a lot. Yeah, I do too. I still do. And I mean, I don't live in Austin anymore. I live outside. I live in the country in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's where I'm driving to right now. Mm -hmm. uh, matter of fact, I may lose you in a minute, but anyway, you know, yeah, I like it here a lot. Austin is a great town. Yeah, it really is. I, I really enjoy it. I think I just have one last question for you. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me tonight. So, and this is something that I like to do with, with former Mavericks that I'm talking to. So I'm looking at the, the roster of the 1988 team, the team that took the Lakers to seven games in the Western Conference Finals. There are 12 names on it, including you. I wanted to see how many of them you could name. Well, Harper, Tarpley, Davis, Blackman, I think Dennis Knott, um, uh, McGuire, uh, Bill Winnington, Detlef Schramm, uh oh boy. <laughs> I, um, um, Perkins, if I haven't mentioned him. Yeah, I think you just have three, three more. Oh, Donaldson, of course. Why? Well, how can I yeah. forget the player I play against in every day? Yeah. <laughs> Donaldson. Um, was Dennis not on the team? No, I, actually, I, I don't think so. Um, but I think you actually just have two more anyway. I, I didn't see his his name on this list. He might have been a different season. Yeah. Uh, but I did mention not Alford was not on that team either, right? Uh, he's on this list. Um, he is listed on the the nineteen eighty eight maps. So yeah, Steve Alford. Oh, and then just have one I mentioned more. him? Before. One more. Oh, oh, the guy with the elephant ears. Um, I cannot remember his name. Um, I cannot remember his. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, I cannot remember his name, but I remember he was a great guy. I remember him because he had ear he, um that had his ears kind of pretty extended out. <laughs> um, but I can't I can't remember his he was a I think a shooting guard and I cannot remember his name. God dang it. That's all right. Uh I'm uh, I'm seeing it as uh do you want me to tell you or do you want to think about it? No, please tell me. Is it Jim Farmer? No, I think it's Jim Farmer. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah he was. He, yeah, he's a different guy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. That's uh, that's usually how I like to end these these conversations. Just a little bit of uh, Mavericks trivia from the past. So, 
I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me tonight, Uwe. All right, no problems. I appreciate it too. Bye. Okay, bye.